Yellowstone Season 2, Episode 4 is over, but we are just getting started over here at Post Show Recaps. Welcome back, my friends. It is I, Rich Liberto, DM Philly, out here on the internet, back with you again to talk about Episode 4 of Season 2, All the Devils. I, of course, am not alone. I am joined by a woman who often gets beat up by my deck collectors when they show up at the ranch, the one and only Grace Leader. Grace, how are you? Good. Where all the angels go? It's just devils. They're here. all devils. and the tridents. God. Yeah, only the devils left, Rich. Only the devils. Uh, what'd you think of this week, Grace? I liked it a lot. I think that it starts off with, uh, with. I was going to say a bang, and I don't know if that's like if that's rude to the cows that all no, got loaded. I think it's more like a fart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Hey, cows. I've suffered with some some bloat as well. So don't don't you worry. Although, uh, yeah, and sometimes they do end up in the exact same like fetal position that they that they were in. But um, yeah, it starts off like I again. I think a storyline that is like tense but only as tense for this show like if any other show is like all the cows have got bloated and they the died, cows it's like, got gas yeah it's like who, who cares you know but in this show it's such a central thing and i like the way we sort of float through the episode i thought it's a really good you know like i know it sounds silly because we've only been like there's only week three and it's only episode four of a 10 episode season but it feels like we're like kicking into gear this season i don't know i liked it yeah, I really like the tone of episode of season two, I should say, a lot more yeah. than season one so far. I feel like we've played down some of the manic energy a little bit. I felt like this week went very quick, even though it is not a shorter episode runtime wise. It felt like a shorter episode runtime wise. And I think that that's just because it's a little less shotgunned all over the place. It's a bit more. There focused. is a shotgun. There is a shotgun to be sure. Uh, it does not go off RIP that guy's kid. But um, I, I feel like like it's just a little bit more streamlined and focused this episode and it went really quick for me uh in retrospect yeah i mean i feel like it's pretty full and yet it doesn't feel like filler again this is all the cow cow bloat puns that i'm gonna <laughs> it was definitely filler for those cows yeah um i didn't feel like there was much clover in this episode despite there being a lot of clover in the sense that i thought sort of everything's moving along in, and moving along, but also like, yeah, there's like this like attack on the Dutton farm on the Yellowstone ranch that like, that's the impetus to kick off the episode. I think interestingly, like John says, like, I know who did this and we cut to people who we might presume who did this, but we don't actually, I think I, maybe I'm totally wrong. I don't know that we necessarily have full confirmation as to who this is. And that's one thing I kind of like about the show is when all these external threats to John Dutton, as he's trying to like fend everything off. And I feel like this is a good, um, good example of that. And there's lots of tension between Jamie and Beth and there's even, you know, I, there's some stuff here with Casey that I thought was interesting. So excited to chat through it. Yeah, me too. I think I have a lot of questions for you, and I think that you're right that uh, it's not a foregone conclusion who airdropped the clover onto the ranch to get the cows all gassy, as it were. Um, there's some real interesting stuff here, but I think that you identify a bunch of really important ingredients to essential Yellowstone that right. I hadn't necessarily considered until you just identified them, but it's like Beth giving hell to Jamie, Casey's gonna kill somebody, we got <laughs> cow problems, we got new enemies being well, introduced to john's ranch like it's it is all that stuff right Dan love Jenkins john coming screwed over yeah love john coming be like hey casey like what happened he's like you he's like i didn't i don't have a gun he's like that's not what i asked did you shoot the man <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a fair uh, assumption. Fair question. Yeah. When you show up at a murder scene and the first thing you think is, who why did my kid kill this guy? Um, I got a little bit of a long, short recap, and then we can talk through it all and try to answer our questions, Grace. Yeah, let's do it. Let us do it. So we open on uh, Casey asking Rip why Jimmy and Walker are branded. Uh, the men end up finding a bloated cow, something we learn should not be the case this time of year, before they find the whole herd laid over sick with bloat. Uh, Jamie, Beth, and John meet with the governor to discuss Jamie's former opponent being sworn in as the attorney general. John knows who poisoned his cattle, and he calls in livestock agents as Dan goes to meet with Thomas about the Beck brothers moving in on their plan. Thomas ultimately lets Dan know that the land has been annexed by the tribe despite that not being their original agreement. Um, back on the ranch, John is talking to the sheriff asking for more men to investigate what happened to the herd. The pair of them argue and John ultimately forces the sheriff to deputize Casey on the spot. Uh, he ends up telling Jamie and Casey that he knows who did this and he sends Jamie to go find the evidence telling Casey to drag them back to him by their hair. Uh, Jamie, meanwhile, finds paperwork regarding the ranch's trust with Casey's signature on it, though Casey doesn't know anything about it at all. Beth explains that he isn't in the trust because she thinks she ha he has no role at the ranch anymore. Jamie's furious because he thinks that she's tied up the money that they're going to need to deal with the fallout from this poisoned herd. Uh, meanwhile, Jimmy's assailants from the hardware store show up at the ranch and go after an old man who may or may not be his grandfather. And John orders the entire field with the clover and it burned so that the clover cannot seed for the next year. Uh, the Beck brothers show up at the ranch looking for John and Rip ends up tangling with their security team and getting one of their guns before he turns it on the men. John and Jamie get involved in the whole altercation and the Becks explain they just want to discuss a mutual problem. John reluctantly agrees and they, they explain that their enterprises don't on overlap with his at all and they would make good allies against Dan and Tom. Uh, Jamie thinks working with them is dealing with the devil, but John says all the angels are gone and there's only devils left these days. Uh, meanwhile, Monica's physical therapist has showed up to watch her teach her class and invites her to take a walk, but she gets uneasy and pushes him away. Casey gets a call from her and they very clearly miss each other, though she's still apparently holding him at arm's length. John, Beth, and Jamie meet with Cassidy, the attorney general to discuss their strategy about dealing with Thomas and Dan's plan. Uh, Beth is taking the moment to implicate Jamie in a prior livestock raid, but John shuts it down. Cassidy seems agreeable to their agenda. They invite her over for dinner, where Beth tells Jamie she's going to get him disbarred and makes a scene at the dinner table, controlling the seating arrangements and seemingly stabbing her brother under the table. Uh, Casey, meanwhile, shows up at Monica's apartment and Tate finds the pair of them in bed together later that night. John has Casey running around looking for the plane that was used to drop the clover in his field and tells him to call the sheriff if they find anything and to do it by the book. Uh, Casey 
and the other livestock officers stop by to visit a rancher who lost his cow to wolves. And while Casey is getting impatient, they head over to the neighbor's ranch. They end up finding a weed whacker used to mutilate one of the neighbor's cows to make it look as though wolves have killed it also. But when they try to arrest him, his son pulls a shotgun on the pair of them. Casey almost talks the young man down, but the other officer kills the boy, saying he had no choice. John arrives, asking whether or not it was justified, and Casey says that it was, but that doesn't make it right. The sheriff, meanwhile, shows up angry that after one day, Casey has been involved in a shooting, and John knocks him out, saying that he failed to meet his word. He did not send his son back up when he called. Meanwhile, the Becks hear the whole story and say that they know how they can help John, and we watch as the ranchers set fire to his field. That, Grace, is episode four of season two of Yellowstone. A lot of stuff went down. Beth stabbed Jamie. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. What the right? hell? Am I reading that wrong? She definitely is no. stabbing him under the table with a knife, right? Yeah, and then and then he's she's like, he's got celiac disease, so he's got a guy. I love John being like, he has what? What? <laughs> what? What? Yeah, I'm very familiar with celiac disease because it's very common in people who live with type 1 diabetes to also get another like autoimmune disease. So I'm very familiar with celiac disease. And so that he just doesn't even he just says ow that he gets up after being stabbed by Beth. They are a wild family. Beth Beth was pretty deranged in season one. She's getting there. She's getting back. Oh, She's getting back wait, to her Grace. little old self in season two here. That's not actually where I want to start. I want to start with the stabbing, but then also I don't know where I want to start. I if you know. listen closely, you could hear the sound of the roller coaster cars being pulled up to their apex as Beth, as Beth is gaining yeah. momentum. Yeah. Uh, the story of Beth Dutton is a very dynamic one across Yellowstone. There's a reason that I think so many people are so high on this character, but she's absolutely out of control. Just to like, before we move on from the stabbing, the double whammy of Jamie getting stabbed, the fact that like she does this to him to embarrass him in front of his old opponent but then also that she kind of humiliates him in front of john like john seemingly is really yeah. like bummed out that jamie might have <laughs> celiac, celiac disease yeah yeah um yeah it's the only thing maybe would be worse was if he's like i'm a vegetarian you know but uh yeah really yeah. that's not gonna fly unless he wants to eat a bunch of clover because there's a ton of extra yeah. clover on the ranch that's probably a good place yeah. to start we could start at the beginning as we sure. often do where they're gonna end up burning this field uh this is a thing you know plants have seeds and when they dry, the seeds generally are ripe, and then you drop them on the ground and they can reseed. So you need your cows not to be eating this clover. They're mm -hmm. going to bloat. It's bad for them. Somebody clearly dropped it here. Uh, back to the question that you posed, though, Grace. John Dutton says a couple of times he knows who did this. So there's two questions that I want to ask you. Who does John think did it? And then who do we think did it? Well, I don't know if the answer to who who like i guess there's one other question that i think you could ask which is who does the show want us to think did it which is very clearly thomas rainwater and dan jenkins some co some combination of them because he says i know who did it and we cut to a scene with thomas rainwater and dan jenkins and me a person who's watched a lot of tv is like ah, ah, ah you're not going to trick me although sometimes i'm like oh i want the show to think i'm really dumb and this could be the way of it being like Hey, you fool. We told you the whole time. Thomas Rainwater <laughs> and Dan Jenkins. But I kind of think this is very similar to like earlier. I'm correcting myself, Rich, for the moment when you were like, you think Dan is actually dead? And I was like, oh, damn it. We didn't see the body. So, right? <laughs> so I, I think that the fact that we don't see any scenes of people being like, did you make sure the helicopter like log route doesn't set? You know, there's no like scheming. We don't really hear anything. I, the, 
I don't know. Suspects on the board is certainly, I think, obviously Thomas Rainwater, Dan Jenkins. I think to a degree, you could argue perhaps the Becks. Um, I think, although that doesn't, I don't think that that's very strong. So I can't really think of anybody else, but if it, it feels like this is like, you know, I've watched a lot of murder mysteries over the last year or so. Sure. Uh, I watched uh, Poker Face, which every episode was a murder mystery. Obviously, Class Onion came out this year. Um, and I feel, yeah, I just feel like it typically has to be someone you've already, like, we have to have the suspect on the board, I think. Somebody but I can't. That we've met, right? I think you're overlooking yeah. some prime suspects who are the guys that came to beat up Jimmy. Uh, are we not thinking about them? Oh, you don't think maybe they rented a helicopter and threw the clover out? Just No, if they're trying to gather eight grand, I don't think that they're. I mean, eight grand eight is grand. A they got to pay for yeah. the helicopter. Yeah. Yeah, that poor old man is getting beat up on Jimmy's bed. Is that a, is that his father? Who is that? No, not father. I don't really know. Yeah, I, I don't think it. it's his grandfather. We meet Jimmy's grandfather, who like goes to John yeah. and gets him the job, and this is kind of Jimmy's right. own right. I love the idea that it's just this old man, man who yeah. comes to bitch yeah. at Jimmy, and we have no idea who he is, and don't yeah, even try good. to like connect him back into Jimmy. It's kind of bold to me as a decision, you know hilarious yeah so i don't know i i mean i it feels like there's got to be somebody that i'm very obviously missing and it and then it could just be that it's it's um it's uh thomas and and dan perhaps but i don't know it's a very sinister plot uh luckily i kind of love the way that obviously by the end you have to burn the clover like john knows exactly like the and i actually think the exposition on like why this is really bad it, and how they know that it's uh you know even before they see all of the dead cows the way that rip and casey are talking about like oh and it doesn't it, that, that's not around this time of year you know it's, it's i think it's very stuff you pick yeah. up in the agricultural trade right because yeah. there's such a cyclical nature to it when you're dealing with that working out on land i've only ever worked really on large-scale vegetable farms right. and i've done a lot in wholesale uh, produce distribution and seafood so i'm not like a livestock guy though my ex-wife was a grazing specialist in north carolina for a long time and i have some familiarity with this but there's such a uh, pattern to all of this when you're out in the weather you're dealing with seasonal effects like there's certain things that are just quantifiable also because like we've been herding cows for thousands of years right, right and there's right. just like there's there's stuff known within the space so i thought they did a really good job communicating what's going on why it's going on and why it's relevant especially like scattered across and then the implications that you get from jamie talking to beth later like you just think that there's 150 dead cows out there that's five hundred thousand dollars right and, like what right. do you think that this ranch makes money on like at the end of the year after we pay all these ranchers we got to buy hey there's so much overhead when you're dealing with any kind of living product i mean it's the same with vegetables and it's compounded to like the nth degree when you're dealing with any kind of animals yeah. livestock it gets right. really tricky you know i think what i just like like about it is that it's it's such a like it's a yellowstone story like there's yep. not you know like i'm not watching a lot of other tv where it's like Oh no, the cows are all blood. I know it's, it sounds facetious. I'm actually, I actually love it. I think it's like, I do think the writing between Casey and Rip there, as he's like, you know, this is why it's really bad that this one cow has been bloated. Um, and then they turn over the hill and the and the shot of all the dead cows, I thought was like really strong. And then this, the way that, you know, one of the things I really liked from the beginning of season one is this is this idea of the external threats to John and the ranch. And this plays into this completely. And the fact that John does take a big loss in this battle, but then is also smart enough to know like, okay, shit, like I can't let the clover, uh, you know, I can't let the clover die. And so this last image of him having to burn 
the you know the hay in his own his own field uh to like prevent anything else from happening i thought it was like just really great writing cool imagery there's lots of metaphor in there i think it was really strong this storyline in particular yeah i do as well right um i mean we've talked about like the kind of political bent and the alignment of the show but i think it does a really good way articulating the struggle of this kind of lifestyle you know we get this little side jaunt towards the end of the episode where casey's out on his ride along but looking for the plane he and the other livestock agents stop to deal with this rancher whose cow has been killed by by wolves right and this is the like uh, conservation crashing into like the actual agriculture industry in that way where you have all of this kind of controversy it's so easy for the people in the kind of bastions on the on the coast to be like yes save the wolves but for this one really poor guy he can't afford to hire any extra ranchers he's got to protect the herd himself the wolves kill his cow that's two thousand dollars that he's like right. i can't afford to lose right? right i don't know about you and i'm sure a lot of people out there at this day and age in the world two thousand dollars is not like an insignificant hit there's some deleted stat. from your bank account tomorrow right there's some stat to show that like half of americans couldn't afford a 200 uh, uh surprise like you yep. know so yeah definitely two grand no go yep. and yeah. and i just think the the way that that's juxtaposed against his neighbor meanwhile who's making this false wildlife claim he talks right. about he's literally the boy who cries wolf craze that he right. keeps like killing all these cows to get the government to pay these subsidies back to them for the actual like uh market loss that he has and it's a whole like corruption so i think it's a really interesting way to explore the kind of needs of these types of businesses and this type of enterprise and the way that it crashes up against government policies that seem like universally and ambiguously positive but we can really overlook how they impact the people that have to live and work in these ecological spaces to, to like sustain their business you know um i'm with and you I, though. I think yeah. it's really elegant writing to to get us the actual details of why this is all relevant yeah, so all this stuff on the Yellowstone Ranch, I for sure understand and get. I do have a clarifying question about this other stuff that happens. Yes. Is the idea that the man who eventually we turned out used the weed whacker on at least his own cow also did it on his neighbor's cow? Or that one was legitimately... Uh, a wolf because there's a paw print right yes the there is the paw print casey clocks it right so i think that that's a legitimate wolf attack but that the neighbor has killed so many cows previously and and as the guy says he cuts them all up so that he can make these claims to fish and game that they're being killed by wildlife and he can ultimately get an insurance claim on it is basically what we're doing so we're basically like these two situations don't have anything to do with each other other than the fact that they're they're seemingly both wolf related, but then the latter one isn't. Is that the, that's the idea? So that first piece is like mostly about. I'm just trying to think of the th the reason to put that first one in there. I get the first scene where like it's a legitimate wolf attack, which is like Casey being around. The idea of like the bat the there's no backup at the moment. Um. Also, yeah. Right. So. Um, I think that yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you. What is the reason to do the the uh, first stop that like gets us involved in this whole thing? And I think part of it is to. Show show the way that Casey has empathy for this man, right? right? Like the other livestock agents, like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll get you a check. Don't sweat it. You better get some guys out here. Uh -huh. And the old man's like, I can't afford guys. And the, and the yeah. livestock agent's like, well, you could have fun sleeping out here, yeah. that old man, mm -hmm. and walks off. But Casey can at least, like, offer some other recourse. Go get some mules. mules rent right. some angry mules right. and put them out there. and They can prevent it. So I think it's to show a little bit of the juxtaposition of the way that people take advantage of the, like, government program 
programs, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That like the neighbor is capitalizing on this situation. He may or may not know that there was a real wolf attack. And so he's going to like piggyback onto it and ride the coattails of the situation. I think that there's like a very on the nose metaphor that Taylor Sheridan couldn't resist of like the neighbor crying wolf. Right. right? And we need right. a way into right. that story to a degree. Right. So I'm with you where like, why show the first guy? But I think the first guy yeah, just serves sense. to like articulate some empathy for Casey in particular and why like he might actually be genuinely like really good at this job as a livestock. We see him. The only thing I would say is that like, we basically see that in the second scene too. Like, it's not that I I think like both, you know, you don't need to show it just once. And actually it's like not bad writing to show it twice, but also in the second scene, he basically is about to seemingly get the kid to like put his gun down. Right. Like, and he's like, here's what actually is going to happen. Like, it's no big deal. He's going to pay a fine and he's going to, clean up some garbage on the weekend and it's only that the guy he hasn't put his gun down quite yet that the the actual sheriff ends up like shooting him but uh, we do see that he's like compassionate uh he is like he actually yeah could be quite competent at the job in i think in both situations again i'm like not saying like they need to cut that first one i was just like trying to maybe dig in a little bit about like because i too thought that maybe they were more intertwined which they are in the sense that like maybe the second guy is saying like oh that guy got his actually got his wolf i'm gonna go use my weed whacker to kill my cow and then get the insurance money or whatever but uh yeah i wondered if they were more intertwined than i was missing well the other like further complication is the first guy saying like oh they're never gonna show up fishing games never gonna show up because my neighbor keeps calling in false calls and they like think we're full of bullshit so they don't want to come out to this part of the world it's the way that like these you know these kind of interactions can impact one another and are intertwined and I think that it's showing like because so much of the, the the sheriff who we've met before, who's got this real bad taste in his mouth about Rip and seems to like love to argue with John so much. Right. Um, he's so reluctant to, to deputize Casey. And he right. tells him like, yeah, we know he knows how to use the gun. Now you got to teach him how to not to use it. Like that thing comes right. out of your holster. There better be a goddamn good reason for it. Right. Uh-huh. But the fact that he has this incredible restraint and that he's got this kind of a measured approach and trying to de-escalate the conflict resolution as the kid comes out with the shotgun he's seemingly like really good at this and john's retort to the sheriff at that point is like are you kidding casey like beat up the drifter who pulled a knife on him at a gas station like the cops would have done an even worse job right yeah. which is yeah. a really fascinating commentary on police violence from from the inserted in there from the conservative like right and i think that then we yeah. double down on it where like the actual livestock agent is is effectively gonna murder what seems like a teenager right who comes out here with the shotgun i mean maybe the son's like in his early 20s but he's clearly a young man who comes out to defend his dad in the midst of this kind of conflict yeah right they call him a teen i'm pretty sure i I mean that's what i thought yeah Yeah. and and this livestock and the news says his teenage son yeah yeah Yeah. there you go yeah i mean it's incredibly sad i i Casey's response, I like that even though like, yeah, the guy had a shotgun pointed at him, he still says like, like you can you can say it's justified. And and he'll say later to uh, his dad, he'll say like, yeah, it was probably justified. But whether that was actually right is another factor. Right. And then I do love this confrontation between John and the and the officer uh, basically punches him. And that is like, yeah, even though I punch you like, dude, you are totally at the wrong. Like, this is your fault that this happened. You won't send backup out to, to come and help. And literally someone would not be dead if you sent someone out. So you're a fool. Yeah. Yeah stupid sheriff um so back to like the thomas and dad of it all i'm so curious about like your expectations like do you think that john expects it's one of them or that he thinks it's both of them what do you think like john senses where he's like we know who did this 
Um, I'm just really curious See, if you have like a strong read there one way or another. Yeah, I guess my thought is probably Thomas, because I feel like he's probably felt like his threatening of Dan Jenkins is probably enough. Also, there's so much. I don't know whether we know how much John knows about this, but Dan Dan seems so screwed in this whole situation. The fact that yeah, like, Dan's got run like, right over. Like, yeah, dude, you got played so bad. Like this is like they're gonna annex the thing. They don't owe you anything. You don't need. You know, they're telling him you don't need the alcohol license from the government because you'll get it from the tribe. And like he's like, you know, he just is does not love any any of the ways this is going down. Then back to John, I feel like he feels like he must have threatened Dan enough, but maybe not if Dan's going to keep like poking. So maybe he feels like this is Dan pushing back on the fact that they hanged hanged Dan. So my yeah, my thought is probably just like both of them, I think, is probably mm -hmm. John. Like whether or not it was one, the other one is complicit is is, mm -hmm. is my feeling. And again, we cut right to from like, I know who did this to like. To the, the two of them. To the two of them. Yeah. At the groundbreaking. I love uh, the whole, the, the way that Thomas manages Dan, it's so great. The kind of yeah. power dynamics between yeah. the two of them. It really is fun to see Dan like getting screwed by everybody, but he is officially getting screwed by everybody at yeah. this point, yeah. right? Like he seemingly had an opportunity last week to deal with the Beck brothers and he just blows them off so hard that now he's like double down with Thomas and his assistants kind of telling him like, you can't just like uh, believe in him and think that yeah. that's viable business strategy but yeah. thomas's insinuation to him of like things are getting serious we're the only two people playing honestly dan says like are you insinuating i need security he's like yeah you should have learned that already you got dan. a bodyguard bro it's so maybe good. you should have learned that when they took you out to hang you i can't even believe you're asking this question dan jenkins yeah yeah so i i think it is i yeah i do like that i like there's a lot of stuff again uh, i'm gonna kind of bleed into the monica stuff here uh, uh not so much the stuff with casey but just again this is a show that i think has a reputation and i feel like you know it's um there's a lot of ways that they're talking about a lot of these issues that are very complicated so when the groundbreaking is happening you have a man being like listen i'm always going to support like indigenous peoples having having you know, being business owners, but also like how many casinos do you friggin' need? You know, like this is mm -hmm. like not actually helping maybe as much as like they want you to believe it is. And then you cut to Monica giving her, um, giving her, uh, seminar, her lecture. Her lecture. Yeah. And then we cut to the end when the massage therapist comes and he, and he's like, it's, you know, he's like, if you, if you only teach them the, the tragedies, then they're going to think we're tragic. And so can you also show the celebration? Cause I, that's a big thing I feel like about, uh, transness is like i also when i'm like you know if i do ever do a podcast like on rob is a podcast and we're doing like the pride is spoken and things like that i'm always trying to make sure that like on one hand like yeah life can really suck and be really hard when you're when you're trans especially like if you like don't have support systems if you live in a government that or in a, a state that's trying to like mm -hmm. legalize you out of existence like yeah that shit sucks also like there is a lot of like trans joy in the world and like queer joy in the sure. world and i think that's also important to like share with people so like that resonated with me a lot as he comes in to like you know, suggest maybe they go to the relay race, I believe is what um, he suggests. So yeah, I thought that just like the, the portrayals of, of that community, I think are better than I was expecting from Yellowstone. Yeah. I think that the show is really unfairly uh, pigeonholed. Right. And it just gets painted into its own corner. I think like a lot of uh, media properties are, you have people that have expectations and then they, they read whatever it is, the blurb, the headline, they hear the sound bite, and they're never going to actually like give it the uh, credit of viewing it on their own and measuring it on their own. But I've talked a little bit about during my senior year in high school, I did uh, kind of in-depth like year, 
year of study focusing on uh, indigenous people, specifically in southwestern America. I went to New Mexico and Arizona. I stayed on the Zuni Indian Reservation for a time. And I think that the way that they use Monica as a character and even to a degree Thomas Rainwater, the other Native American characters, to shine a little bit of a spotlight on the problems than like the difficulties, the challenges that uh, like are still persistent within the reservation system here in the U.S. It's pretty salient, you know. I mean, it's certainly not the focus or the emphasis of the show, but the fact is that we're not sugarcoating it you know it's not like this this positive upbeat portrayal they're not being portrayed exclusively as these kind of villains against john and like his white family in the big giant like billion dollar ranch right we see the plight of thomas rainwater we got that kind of sequence of him dealing with the like the youth who had kind of stepped wrong and driving through the reservation and wondering what are we even fighting for this notion of the casinos can generate incredible wealth but also what type of uh like signal is that indicating for the future generations you know i know that alcoholism drug abuse like teen pregnancy these are all like very very major problems on a lot of the reservations in the u.s and the ways that we're like approach the 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 difficulties there and the challenges between like managing a population that is mixed between these two people with very different needs in the modern age i do think is pretty interesting and, and pretty thoughtful in the way that they approach it um i know that there are some critiques of, of it in terms of like again this is white typically white white creators white writers oh uh, for sure this representation so it's not it's not perfect but i i want to i wanted to highlight that like this is more than I thought was in there. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think Sheridan is notably criticized as somebody that doesn't have a very open writer's room, right? This is a guy who's like a, got a lot of control on what he is doing with these shows, especially with Yellowstone as the flagship show. I think when we watched 1923, Troy and Josh and I did a couple of podcasts on it. And there were some pretty negative depictions uh, of Native American experiences there that yeah. we were like slightly critical of yeah. to varying degrees. So, you know, mileage may vary and it's certainly imperfect but i appreciate the inclusion uh rather than like sliding plastic just to talk about the the monica and casey of it all the whole like you know she calls the physical therapist is clearly like interested and that's making her uncomfortable and she calls casey and says she wants to see him she misses him but don't and then casey shows up and tate finds them together like anything there that you want to like dig in on at all grace or we're just like tracking it as it goes yeah just tracking it i mean I, you know, it's funny in a, sh in a show that's very like, you know, we've called it akin to a soap opera. Certainly for me, the thing that uh, is, is not been in the show and I kind of have loved that it's not been in the show. And I feel like this feels like the show trying to figure out this is a good place to do it. It's basically a romantic storyline. Love triangles. Yeah. I guess, I guess, I guess Jamie has had the thing, you know, he had that at the end of last season too, um, I guess. So he's another character who's like on the, and then, Beth has had some stuff, but that feels so much more like she's always being manipulative rather than like uh, yes. genuinely looking for love or like caught up in it at all. Um, I'm sure there's more of this coming. Like, I feel like Casey and Monica, I don't know. I, I do get the, the idea that like you could, cause like they're trying to explore Casey and Monica being like separated basically. And so a natural tension to like fit in there is the idea that like she might fall for someone. And not that there's not something interesting about the idea that she had like married a man who's not indigenous and then mm -hmm. potentially being like, you know, um, you know, interested in this man who, who is, and what that means about like her family uh, actually close the flower moon does a really good job um, of this as this one mother, like all of her daughters marry like white men. Mm -hmm. uh, so like the, con the, like, 
the confusion or, or like, you know, conflict that, that creates is, is interesting. So I don't know. Noting it, I, I again, I don't think there's like a ton here other than what I've already sort of highlighted. Yeah, very fair. Uh, I want to talk about Jamie and Beth and the uh, attorney general elect. This whole notion of like Cassidy coming in and the way that Beth is like so aggressively baiting Jamie. I mean, she's trolling him, right? Is very much what's happening. Is they're having this meeting and John's kind of talking to Cassidy, is her name, about, hey, Dan Jenkins, Thomas Rainwater, we need you to get involved in this real estate deal. And she starts asking about like, oh, what about the Senate committing for like, or the Senate like hearing for the overreach of like, the livestock association and, and beth is like so just trying to destroy jamie and they have this conflict here where she says i'm gonna get you disbarred you son of a bitch like you never should have come back and he's like you told me to come back and she's like yeah why in a million years would you ever think it's a good idea to listen to me this to me grace just so embodies beth like that singular exchange i'm like you told me to come back that's why i came back like yeah you idiot you shouldn't listen to me um she's just such a viper and i find her uh, like you know or, or kind of it's not chaotic she's really ordered and she's pretty like uh, like defined in what she's doing but it's so erratic like which direction she's going to go in a minute she feels like a very unpredictable character despite the fact that she's so kind of capable and cunning and savvy and all of it but the two of them this conflict is mounting to a pretty dangerous point it feels like for me yeah um yeah i mean this to me feels like beth is getting close to the the level she was uh when she was sort of like around the time of her mother's death right so yes. it does feel yeah. like she goes into these waves of being um incredibly focused on something and then these times where you know this is like um the 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 sort of uh, agenda i mean he says it he says like if you're gonna you know if you're what is it if your reason to live if you need a reason to live and it's like by hating someone and it needs to be me, something like that. Right. When like, yeah, he's like, if you car. need to like hate me to like be yeah. happy to stay alive, right. then go ahead. Hate me. Yeah. Yeah. So to that degree, she's doing it maybe more than he anticipated of like literally trying to get him disbarred. I, the problem for me, I think with this stuff is that I'm, I feel like it's mostly Jamie. I'm like not really super interested in Jamie. Um, at the moment, I feel like he's so, just a little bit lost, which I guess is the, the, the point. And maybe this is better than him running for attorney general. So I'm maybe fine with that. It's so vindictive from Beth in a way that I think is, and I also wonder like, why, like, what is it in Jamie specifically? And maybe that's part of it of like, he does try to branch out. And when it doesn't work, like his father brings him back. And I thought that was really interesting potentially of this idea of, you know, the same way that Casey tries to like break down his own and then he comes back mm -hmm. and he, slowly becomes more and more like his father and mm -hmm. Jamie maybe slowly having to do more and more things that he like hates doing. Cause he's like under the thumb of his father and not really maybe even getting to like utilize someone in this episode says like, I saw him in court. Like he was very good, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's interesting to me while also having like Beth Sabbath, I guess, I guess I do like the dynamic here. Like, I think it's like more complex than most shows I've watched where like she is, in front of her father constantly and you know he does like go and stop her right from he's, he's like not the he's time like, not the not place the he tells yeah. her that first meeting yeah it, it's just yeah. relentless i mean she's doing it when they're in the meeting with the governor linnell and and she's asking is that a good date for you to swear in the new attorney general jb then again back at the meeting at the house then the whole situation with dinner it's just like so vindictive and controlling and john seems to put up with a lot of her bullshit grace yeah where he's like yeah. so hard yeah. on his sons uh she's got like a little bit more of a lead to kind of play around with but it. this is also what he 
what he said, right? He's like, I need somebody who can be evil. She's being yes. pretty friggin' evil, even if it's yes. to Jamie. And I also wonder if there's a degree to which when it's in their own home, you know, without, you know, case Cassidy is there for both Cassidy, this woman who's going to be the attorney general or is, or whatever. Um, she is there for both encounters. The one where it's like much more businessy and John shuts it down. The other one being like this, like family dinner. Um, it is interesting to me whether or not like John, obviously to some degree doesn't want it to be, he doesn't want to like destroy his kid. I don't think he wants him disbarred, but also is he okay with like the idea that like Jamie gets a little bit of punishment and like the pecking order is like established a little bit um, in terms of like, you try to step out and this is what it looks like when you step back in and you step in line and you, you know, so I, I kind of think it's interesting. I was talking about this with another show where I thought it was interesting in the way that when people object morally, but then actually don't fully stop things from happening. And I went, yes. this is a little bit of that where like, I feel like they kind of get to the point where like, it, it's a joke line where like, John's like, he has what? Uh, because he does stop the meeting, but alas, I think it's interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to watch how John handles Beth poking at, uh, poking at, at Jamie. Yeah, I think you're on to something there. I mean, if we recall John or in season one, there's a point where he tells Beth, like, she's more man than I'm any of them, right? And, like, it's a very, like, kind of explicit thing there, the way that he's allowing her to kind of dominate Jamie so much. The whole musical chairs thing, I don't know how much this relates for your experience, Grace, but I come from a family where there was, like, that moment of, like, Thanksgiving dinner and everybody walks into the room and who's sitting where, because sometimes we become, like, a violent eruption that involves, uh, like, flying mashed potatoes and shattered yeah. china and like a lot of volatility right because the whole maneuver is like cassidy sits down and yeah. beth like immediately yeah, puts her off her guard like no no you're in casey's chair but casey's yeah. not coming for dinner and she yeah. moves cassidy to jamie's chair it's very and smart. he's like yup now smart. you're not gonna get the chair so jamie goes for the chair that was presumably his mother's to which beth is gonna be like don't even you bastard don't even look at it don't even consider sitting in her chair <laughs> right i mean there's just like such a dynamic at play now that i'm actually thinking about it it might not be her mother's it's probably lee's chair i think it's lee's chair because it's not the in order on that side of the table yeah right at the end you think that she might sit at the other end right so i think it's lee's i think it's probably yeah lee's i think chair. i think that that's correct now that we're reflecting on it but it's all just like a setup to get him to come around and sit down next to her so that she could stab yeah. him him. under the table with a steak knife grace i know you got siblings but like i don't know this one i never dealt with no i we weren't you know as much as we sometimes hated each other we definitely weren't gonna stab each other but i think that uh the thing about where you sit i think it's i recently was at um at a conference a couple of conferences where like there was like a lot of these like big dinners and boy it was like you're like praying you're not next to the people that you like you're like praying you're hoping next to the people that you actually like would love to spend like a two hour oh, yeah. with right oh, so you're yeah. like you're like no no don't sit there you don't sit there oh that's the last chair huh? okay this i'm gonna be at the like, other can end I of please the table. just hold your hand so i, I can slide in next <laughs> i know i know you i'm like oh i'm at this end of the table like okay all right fun you know that's to be the bigger one but uh yeah and i'm sure my parents as a kid were like uh, looking at the table right being like that's a bad setup like that's that one's gonna cause some fights in the way that john's just watching them all but again he doesn't interact he just lets beth he lets Beth do it all, right? He just like, you know, so he does, though he seems really put out by it. Um, I uh, like well, he says I, last I, episode, right? Is the ending of the last episode, like, why'd you leave me alone? Because <laughs> like, yep. of this stuff, you know? Yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, 
the Becks. I just want to talk about the Becks a little bit. They show up. We get this meeting of the Beck brothers with John Dutton. They basically give him the pitch. I love Rip just like beating the hell out of their security guys while they watch on like with this kind of smug amusement. Guns just pointed <laughs> everywhere. Grace as they buzz me. And ultimately like John's going to roll up. He's, he's going to be like full cowboy style. He comes charging up on the horse. He's kicking people over and stuff. Jamie comes out and is like, whoa, 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 everybody be cool. And John like seemingly wants nothing to do with it until they go and talk and the Becks are like listen our business of gas stations and casinos does not overlap with yours we would make real good allies allies and John's got this thing of like yeah I don't care I don't need allies I don't need partners I'm going to do what's best for my family and if it works out for you that's like a coincidence and nothing more um, anything yeah. here is this like mounting tension what do you, where do you think this is going because uh, there's also this thing at the end, right, where he said the Beck say like, "Oh, I think I know we can, how we can help." Um, yes. yes, John Dutton, which is seemingly they're going to interfere with potentially some of the livestock association stuff that is happening. I kind of love the idea of a, of characters who get introduced who are who are not necessarily threats to John Dutton, but instead are like little gnats who are like you know trying to like actually cling on and they've always like known to stay out of his way but they kind of can't help themselves as there's just like this communal threat that they both have to try and like you know tag along with the yellowstone ranch and john dutton and try to like uh, get in with him i think that that's kind of fun in the way that it's not an external threat it's more of this like it's almost they're almost like the steve urkel to uh yep. to carl winslow as just he's rolling like, he's like, right into the house yeah, yeah just like, rolling oh, right and be like oh come on get out of you here again yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I kind of I kind of love that, especially because I just think um, oh, I can't remember this guy. What is his name? Uh, I want to say Neil McDonough. McDonough. I think he's just like plays Weasley pretty well. So I kind of I kind of like this role for him uh, as one of the Beck brothers. Yeah. Um, I also think it's interesting that like as much as John was trying to get Casey, you know, and 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 telling Rip to like train Casey to be to be up. Rip's still pretty in. With John, I think it's when Jamie is going to go with him to talk with the Becks, and he says, like, no, get out of here. Like, you're not coming. And then Rip joins uh, the conversation. So, and then Rip's the one, like, fighting the Big Brothers. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Although, I guess, as Thomas Rainwater said, like, pretty good to have a bodyguard. I guess Rip is essentially John's yeah. bodyguard. Yeah, so, Rip's yeah. a strong man. Rip has quietly one of my favorite moments of the entire episode where he's talking to Casey in the very opening scene about Jimmy. Like, yeah, he's a good oh, kid. Yeah. Shut up, Jimmy. Stop asking questions. No, it's just, I thought this line is really good. Of like, he's a good kid. And Casey says, if he's a good kid, why does he have the brand? I thought that was really good. So, oh yeah, yeah, it's really it's it's quite excellent. Yeah. Um, that's episode four, season two, of Yellowstone. All the devils, Grace. Anything that we didn't get into that you want to just note before we part ways? No, I don't think so. I uh, no, I think I think I feel I think like it was pretty. Everything. You know, it was a yeah. pretty tight episode. It cruises right along. I do love the imagery at the end, the fire burning. Yeah. I'll give a little PSA. It's a really great visceral shot of these two guys pointing their flamethrowers at one another. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For the yeah. ignition. If yeah. you are about to like go out into a field to set it on fire with your friends, do not point your flamethrowers at your friends. Yeah. Uh, you both are supposed to turn yeah. in the same direction. Think like imagine it like your Ghostbusters, and yeah. you just Can't do not want to cross the streams. Yeah. Don't cross the streams. Yeah. Off your yeah. flamethrowers that yeah, you may, bad may have gotten from Tesla. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, good episode. I think, again, I think like four episodes in here. It looks like the next couple of weeks they're like doubling up again. It looks like uh, I thought that maybe they were going to air more Lawman Bass Reeves on Sunday nights. It looks like that might have just been the premiere to get people to watch it on Paramount Plus, I think. So moving forward, it looks like two episodes of Yellowstone every Sunday, uh, two next week and two after, which then sets up basically there's only would be two left for like up to end season two basically so we could be done season two in three weeks rich 
I'm ready for it, Grace. Yeah. Get me there. Let's uh, let's ride to the far side of the ranch. We will be back in one week's time talking about episodes five and six of the second season of Yellowstone. But until then, what do you got going on? Where can people find you? I got a lot going on. Actually, there's a lot of stuff coming. Uh, as stuff sort of wrapped up, I also have stuff that um, that's starting. So uh Aaron and i wrapped up the morning show recently um we're going to be very close to wrapping up tales from the loop Aaron and I are talking about movies each week we should be talking about uh the marvels uh the mcu film which they get the lowest mcu opening weekend of all time i loved the movie i thought it was so fun uh press writer uh, strike uh actor strike no promotion uh, the no promotion from the actors uh yeah. absolutely devastates the box office for these things yeah our flag means death also wrapped up, but we are uh, very exciting. Sarah Carradine announced this on Twitter. We are going to be speaking with the costume designer from that show, Gypsy Taylor, who uh, just did some incredible work. And we got lots of great uh, questions on Twitter. So check out that if you want to ask any questions of Gypsy Taylor. So all of that. And then uh, The Crown comes back this week. And um, Dr. Amanda and I are chatting about The Curse, which is the new Nathan Fielder, Emma Stone, Benning Softy show, um, which is wild and we talk way more about micro penis than i would have ever thought on a podcast so check that out that's my little tease my little teaser for that podcast it's a tiny it's a tiny yeah. tease yeah. i'm on social media at high from grace what about you I'm rich yeah. dm philly in all the places we just wrapped up coverage of the winter king first season is over it was a pretty good show over on mgm plus uh cory b and myself have just begun coverage of beacon 23 lena heady is back uh playing one of the main char characters on this new show also on mgm plus very cool you talked about tales from the loop i'm doing some stuff with you i'm hanging out i'm around uh go follow me in all the places we'll be back next week talking about episodes five and six of season two of yellowstone but but until then, just remember, I'll have that $8,000 real soon. I promise, real soon. 